Welcome to episode three of the Disability Perspectives podcast. My name is Utah Kirshner. Thank you all for listening and for your support so far. We've reached more than 230 listeners from eight different countries and five different continents, and we are so excited to reach more people and to continue to normalize the conversation around disabilities. We also are so thankful for all of you who have shared us with your friends. Please continue to share us on your social media pages so that the impact of this podcast continue reaching more people. You can find the Disability Perspectives podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please follow us on Facebook at disability.perspectives, on Twitter at dp underscore podcast one, and on Instagram at disability.perspectives. We are aware that some users are having trouble listening to the podcast on Apple. We are aware of this and working on it. Thank you for your patience. If you are interested in seeing the transcript for today's episode, please follow the link in the episode description. Today we sit down with Nick Chase, a freshman at Virginia Tech and my current roommate. Nick has a disability called osteogenesis imperfecta that causes his bones to be more fragile due to a lack of collagen. We will discuss Nick's experience with OI and you'll get to hear a lot more about it from him. We hope you enjoy today's episode as we continue striving to normalize the conversation. So Nick, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your major hobbies, biographical information, what you're interested in, what you do for fun, what things really get you going. Tell me about yourself. Right. So, hi, my name's Nick. I'm 19. I'm from Ashburn, Virginia, which is um, Northern Virginia. And uh, so I'm majoring in political science here at Virginia Tech. Um, I like to listen to music, uh, mostly like rock and stuff like that, but I I listen to pretty much everything. So what do you want to do once you graduate with your political science degree? Um, I might be a lawyer or something like that, something uh, related to law, maybe. So law school, you're thinking? Yeah, likely law school, but you know, it could really go any direction, you know, uh, still got a bright future ahead of me. Um, I might change my major still, in fact. Gotcha. Okay. So you still have, I mean, you're only a freshman, so you have lots of time to figure it out and think about it. Cool. So let's just jump into talking about your disability. So what is your diagnosis? And then also, um, what's its full name? What does it mean? How rare is it? What causes it? Just give me the, give me the lowdown. Right. So, um, I have a disorder called osteogenesis imperfecta, OI for short. So it means, um, imperfect bone formation. Right, so it means basically my bones are just more fragile. I get injured a lot easier. Um, people call it brittle bones. Um, so one of the common questions people say is, "Do you just drink a lot of milk?" <laughs> and well, yes, I do. But also, so bones are typically made of like um, two two main uh, materials, right? Collagen and mm-hmm. calcium. Yeah. And so milk has calcium. But what I have is a deficiency in collagen. So obviously I want to keep my calcium at like the best level possible, mm-hmm. but I also need to, um, I need collagen, right? And so if I have a deficiency in that, milk's only going to do so much. It doesn't yeah. solve all the problems really. And so um, OI is pretty uh, rare. It's uh, one in 15,000 people have it. It's okay. caused by a random genetic mutation. Um, a lot of disabilities are, you know, pretty random, really. Mm-hmm. So it is genetic. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but, I... But um, I haven't... It's like... so It can be passed down um, from, like, family and stuff, but um, I don't have that. I don't have any family who has it, so it's just... So it kind of just randomly happened with yeah. you? Yeah. 
Gotcha. And do you think, you may not know, but do you know if that raises the probability that, like, future generations of your family will have it? Yeah, it does. So okay. you know how, like, genes work and everything, right? It, yeah, it's sure. like a possibility that, you know, my kids would have it. If, um, mm -hmm. So because you had it, even with a really low chance, since no one in your family had it before, that just increases the chance that it will occur again. Yeah, that will okay. be passed down. Gotcha. So... How old were you when you were first diagnosed? Did, were you born with this? Uh, well, obviously, if it was genetic, yeah. you were born with it. But were you diagnosed as soon as you were born? Or was it something that your parents noticed something was um, different or something was wrong? And so they had you checked and then they were told about it. How did that come about? Right. So when I was born, um, everything seemed pretty normal and stuff. And um, But um, later on, I started fracturing more. And right. Mm -hmm. So when, when you're... Um, like really young when you're a baby and everything that's when you're really fragile and um as you grow up your bones get stronger and um especially once you become an adult and everything yeah. so really um from like 13 to 18 is your prime period because you're still growing so that means you heal a lot faster mm -hmm. than you do if you're an adult but um before that when you're a kid you know your, your bones aren't as strong so you get hurt more easily so yeah so when I was young, um, I fractured. So um, my parents took me to the doctor and I got a diagnosis then. And uh, so I had to actually relearn to walk um, a few times as a kid because every time I would start, you know, I would like break a leg or something and mm -hmm. then I would have to relearn. And um, I still do that essentially to this day. It's just, you know, I know how to walk. Evidently. Yeah. So it's... But when you were little, your bones were even more fragile just because yeah. not only did you have osteogenesis imperfecta but your bones were just a lot more fragile because you were younger and they weren't developed yet right so those things kind of sort of compounded together and made it just even more difficult to deal with yeah exactly. gotcha okay so growing up um once you once you received that diagnosis what would like what did treatment look like to begin with how did that how did that work right so i um got treatment mostly in baltimore yeah specialists there um great doctor and everything so um what we i got these uh infusions right or, um of pimitronate which is uh it was actually found um to be used on cancer patients because cancer patients um they had uh due to chemo weaker bones and so uh -huh. this was used to help strengthen their bones and then people were like hey wait we can use this on oi too so um we started using that and then that really helped but it really only helps when you're still growing, when you're a kid and everything. Mm -hmm. They also place uh, titanium rods inside of your bones to strengthen them, which is really useful for uh, not breaking. So I've since stopped that. In fact, the uh, best treatment you can do is just to exercise. Keep your bones strong and everything, yeah. which is sort of ironic because exercise is also one of the most dangerous things you can do. Mm -hmm. Or at least depends on the type, really. But um, yeah, that's... That's just in general what is best. Okay, so does this this permituate? Is that what you called it? Permidronate. 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 Yes. Does that work as sort of, um, and you might not know, does that work as sort of a replacement for collagen, the thing that you're deficient in, or is it something else that just seems to do the same thing? Um, it of? really helps promote um, bone strength, bone growth, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, helps healing. Also, people with OI sometimes experience um, bone pain, just random pain in mm -hmm. your bones. This really helps with that, too. 
Um, mm. Depending on the type, there so there are four, well, four main types of OI. Um, one being the least severe, two being the most severe. Um, so I'm type four. It's like moderate, right? Okay. But there's also type thirteen, and so there's really a lot, a wide variety of different types. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always make sense. Like, why would they have a thirteen before they have type six or something? Yeah. Right. But. Yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of medical things often confuse me, but yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so growing up, once you had this treatment and you were in school and everything, what, what did school look like? Did you get to play any sports? Did you have to, um, were things different for you in school than, than other students or, or what was that? What did school look like for you? Right. So when I was, well, up until sixth grade, right, I had an aide. So basically they just gave me someone to help carry my things, open doors for me. Um, In general, like, you know, what your best friend would normally do if you're on crutches or something anyways. But um, it was really necessary as a kid because, I don't know, um, your friends might not always understand that, um, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you're really young. But um, also in PE, PE was really the worst class ever (laughs) because it was Imagine. just danger everywhere, right? I can yeah. I can recall at least three different times where I've broken something in PE, mm-hmm. right? So um, in uh, middle school and then later high school, um, I was put in a separate um, PE class sometimes where it was um, a bunch of uh, other people with disabilities and stuff who couldn't participate in regular PE. But um, it was really sort of isolating because most of the other people in the class didn't have this, um, just physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. Also had mental disabilities and it was really just, uh, you know, there were like, there was nobody I could talk to there. And mm-hmm. so, so it felt like you were just kind of being put into a box sort of. Yeah. And obviously it wasn't as fun as normal PE, but, yeah. um, as much as I could, I would try and participate in normal PE to do things that I could do, you know? Yeah. I imagine in, like being and PE with the rest of your peers, um, that would be, like you said, danger everywhere because you, if you're exercising or playing a game with everybody else or something like that, you're at risk of hurting yourself. But then even if you just sit on the side and watch, like what happens if like a runaway dodgeball comes at you? Like that right. that could be dangerous at all, like all aspects because I know even when I was in elementary school, like in PE and stuff, even when you weren't in the game, if it was dodgeball, for example, mm-hmm. like you were at risk of getting hit with a ball if you were standing <laughs> on the sidelines. So I can see why, like, I can see both sides of why they would want you to be in a separate gym class so that you're, like, not so much at risk, like, for your protection. But then also that becomes this wicked problem where, like, then you're being isolated and then you're being taken away from your peers and then you don't have people who you're used to hanging out with that you can talk to. So, like, it's hard to come up with a clear choice or or answer because either way there's downsides to everything, right? Right, like in um, normal PE, one time... um... I just got randomly hit in the head with a frisbee mm-hmm. and <laughs> I just started laughing. Everyone was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I, I was just laughing, you know, I was completely fine. And then another time, PE was like pretty much over. We were taking a break and mm-hmm. some random kid backs into me with his backpack. I fall on the ground. I break my wrist and my leg at the same time <sighs> out of nowhere, right? So it's yeah. really, you know, it's anything can happen. So it really varies. Yeah, even when you're even when you're being super careful and you're constantly paying attention and not doing this and that, like some others, some other person's like honest mistake can just t- turn into like 
a really long day at the hospital for you, right? Right. And uh, also going along with that, I would uh, sometimes miss a lot of school when I got injured. Um, I had surgeries or even just like doctor appointments or therapy, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially really big breaks. Sometimes I would be out of school for like even up to three months. Oh, wow. um, and so sometimes, um, well, it's only really happened one time, but they had to send someone to homeschool me at home so I could learn stuff. Like a homebound program? Yeah. Um, but other than that, I was mostly learning um, everything else at home on my own, which um, really just taught me to like teach myself things, which mm -hmm. is, you know, really useful nowadays in like COVID and stuff. Yeah, that's what we do at college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, especially in school with like other students, right? It's like, when, when do you tell them, you know, oh, by the way, I'm fragile, don't, don't push me over, you know? And how do you um, tell them that so they'll understand? Yeah, right. So, like, when I was in elementary school, right, I had to, um, so our teacher would, like, take us aside and put us into groups and be like, today, share how you're different from other people. And I would be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> Boy, have I got an answer for you. Yeah, exactly. And so one time, I just didn't even say anything about it, and uh, the teacher was glaring at me like, uh, do you have anything else to share? I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's the teacher's like, let's address the elephant in the room. And you're like, what elephant? Uh -huh. <laughs> no, I, I get that. So when you when you were growing up and you would miss school um, for periods of time, it wasn't like it wasn't like your monthly trip to the orthodontist where you have to miss half a day of school. Like this was significant amounts of time where you were out of school, like right. whether it was a week or a month or even three months. You said um, mm -hmm. it was it was pretty significant time out, right? Right, like. Um... One time I broke near the end of the year and I completely missed, you know, end of school and everything. Mm -hmm. I just missed the last two months of school, right? Uh -huh. And that sucked because, you know, I, I didn't get my yearbook signed by anyone. And, and that's every I, middle schooler's favorite part of school. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get to say goodbye to a lot of people who were like maybe moving to another school or something like that. Uh -huh. But, um, yeah. Okay. Um, so... In light of like having to miss a lot of school and stuff like that, I know you mentioned teaching yourself over time um, during those extended periods away. How to how like teaching yourself things and learning how to self educate and stuff like that. Um, but did, was there ever a time when you felt yourself like falling behind your classmates or like you weren't able to keep up with the schoolwork or like you just felt like you were sort of behind everybody else because so many distractions and so many got to stop and go to the doctor, got to leave school today. Um, because I know even in those times when you, like, when you're out for three months, you can kind of catch yourself up, mm -hmm. but when you're out for a day here, a day there, maybe two or three days in the same week or something, it's hard to really catch up on schoolwork then because you're at a doctor's appointment all day or something like that. Did you ever find yourself falling behind everybody else because of that? Right. So it really depends because sometimes, you know, teachers would be just really kind and say, oh, you're exempt from like this whole project, right? Mm -hmm. And then other times I would be like, I have to do this whole thing at home. I've only been given written directions. I don't understand this. Um, so it's sometimes it was pretty hard, but in general, it was, um, it was all right. Um, in fact, one of my teachers was like, how did you learn pre-calc at home by yourself? And I was <laughs> like, I guess I'm just that smart. <laughs> it must be because I had trouble learning pre-calc in the classroom with the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so when you were at school and you weren't at home, but you had accommodations, you either had a wheelchair or a walker or some sort of a brace or something like that, um, and you could randomly one day just 
get hurt and the next day you have to come to school with all these things and then in a couple of weeks you'd be fine again and then so with all of those accommodations and whatnot did you ever have to deal with other students asking you questions bugging you even making fun of you or anything like that like what did you deal with with your peers right so when i went to school um you know randomly one day with a new injury or something everyone would be like oh no what happened and then I would have to tell like every single person, mm-hmm. well, you see, you know, I did this and I did that. And uh, it's actually funny because some of my friends I met while I was injured. And then eventually I started walking again. They're like, wait, you can walk? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And so it, yeah, so it really depends um, on the person. But it's like some people, you know, it's like, who, who do you tell, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, in elementary school and stuff, you know, obviously I, I told everyone, but as it went on to high school and stuff, well, first of all, I never moved. So a lot of the people from elementary school and mm-hmm. stuff um, went to high school, so they Which knew. Which helpful, yeah. Yeah, so I would really only tell my friends, um, you know, who like needed to know who I trusted and everything. Um, so the majority of people, I was just like, if you know, you know, if you don't, you don't. <laughs> I just assumed that everyone known by them but yeah 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 i know for me growing up with my vision impairment it was always Mm -hmm. anytime i met someone new or anytime we had a new student i felt like i had to go re-go through the entire thing and i felt this stress that if i don't come right out and tell this person Mm -hmm. then i'm gonna have other people in my class that are somewhat familiar with what i have going on telling them about it and and that's okay and that's fine but all the time that's how you get um, that's how you get things come about that aren't true. Like people think they know exactly what's going on and they don't, or they say, oh, he's blind. I'm like, no, I'm legally blind. <laughs> and so then you have these, like you have these things come about where a new student, if you don't come right out and tell them about it, then they start to get all these false conceptions about what's going on with you from other people. And then next thing you know, they have all these assumptions about you that aren't even true. Right. So did you ever experience that too, where other people would try to tell people about what was going on with you? Yeah, exactly. And um, especially when like uh, substitute teachers would come in and um, I would have to explain to them, hey, by the way, I have this accommodation, so Mm -hmm. I need to leave early so that I don't get injured or whatever. Uh And then sometimes they would be like, I don't believe you. You're just trying to get out of class early. (laughs) Yeah, that's annoying, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So some people, you know, just don't really understand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when you were in school, did you have an IEP? So an, an IEP, I know you know what that is, but yeah. um, for people that don't, it's an individualized education plan. Um, it's similar to like a five four, uh, 504 plan or things like that. Um, it's basically a chance for students in elementary school to have a case manager who um, advocates for them in the classroom and provides accommodations and stuff. So did you have that when you were in school? Yeah, I had an IEP. Um, so at first in like elementary school, um, we have, you know, meetings with my teachers at the beginning of every year. And um, so I am, you know, as a kid, a meeting is like the worst thing you can go to. You know, <laughs> you're just trying to talk to your friends, hang out and everything. So when I was little, um, I would just skip out on these and, you know, my mom would go or whatever, advocate me, advocate for me. But um, yeah, sometimes we really had to fight for certain accommodations, especially in um, elementary school. My uh, principal there was pretty hard on, you know, saying, oh, you can't come back and do this until you're fully healed. And I'm like, actually, I can, you know? Yeah. No, I had an IEP too, so I relate to that because I would have, um, I mean, I'm not going to name names because I'm from a really small town, so people know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But I, had, from time to time, I would have a teacher who would say, uh, well, 
I'll move you to the front of the classroom next time I redo the seating chart. And I'd be mm -hmm. like, actually, you're going to have to move me now because I can't see the board. Yeah. So I, I definitely relate to that and having, um, for the most part, I, most everybody was really, really good about mm -hmm. helping me with things I needed. But every now and again, and you can relate to this, you'd have that teacher or that principal who would give you a hard time and you have to go through the whole process again. And right. it just gets to a point where you're just like, can you just do what the paper says? <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I get that frustration for sure. Exactly. Um, so going from grade school to now in college, um, was that transition more stressful than what you'd planned for before? Um, up until up until coming to college, you kind of knew what to expect every year. Was, right. Like you said, you never moved, so you were going through the same sort of routine each year, maybe with a new mm -hmm. teacher or a new set of teachers or something like that, but you kind of, it was kind of the same routine. So how did that change when you came to college? Did you right. have to, like, did you have to, like, college is kind of a new whole new monster, so what was exactly. that like? So, um, yeah, in the previous years, we would really, you know, from grade to grade, it would be, you know, pretty um, easy because you just tell the teacher or whatever. And um, some of the teachers even knew beforehand because they just knew me at school. Mm -hmm. But from elementary school and middle school and middle school and high, high school, it was, um, you know, uh, different nurse every year. So you'd have to tell the nurse then too, and mm -hmm. whole school works differently. So at college especially, um, it was pretty... Um, hard it was a lot harder than i expected because you need dorm accommodations you need classroom accommodations you need to make sure campus is accessible you need to have a plan if you get injured um in fact before i came we had to call like every local hospital see mm -hmm. which doctors could treat me which one was the best to go to for certain things um and especially like even if um if I'm on like the top floor or whatever, and there's a fire, how am I going to get down the stairs, right? Yeah. The elevator's out, I can't walk down the stairs, how am I going to get out, right? So it was really a lot to think about, um, especially. Um, so I really had to work with uh, uh, creating accommodations that best fit me, and it was a lot harder in college. I imagine so. And it. it... I imagine there was a point where you, you were like, okay, I think I got everything now. And then every time you thought you had it all figured out for mm -hmm. college, like something else would come up, like, oh, wait, what about this? Yeah. Or even in the time you've been here, the semester you've been here, I imagine you've almost constantly come into contact with new problems, new obstacles, things like that that you hadn't thought about before. Right. And, um, but, you know, Virginia Tech's pretty good accessibility wise, but, um, Sometimes it can be like pretty hilly and you just can't get up that hill. Yeah, I, I imagine so, especially, um, I know there are some parts of campus where, I mean, a, a completely able-bodied person struggles to get up the hill sometimes, so yeah. uh, I bet that's difficult. Mm -hmm. Have you had to, like, did you have to take time to, like, map out where the most accessible routes were and, and which ways to go and even maybe leave five minutes early to have time to go the more accessible way? Right, so I would do that in um, high school, right? I would mm -hmm. leave class five minutes early to get to my next class, um, sometimes because it was far, sometimes because um, there would have been a giant crowd, you know, I'm mm -hmm. trying not to get hurt or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes I just wanted to get out of class early. <laughs> um, hey. But so, yeah, it was really, um, I mean, I, I didn't have to plan all that much. Luckily, when I came here at first, I wasn't injured, so I could sort of get a feel for campus. Uh -huh. um, and then eventually I knew, okay, when, when I do get injured, I can take this route and go here. Yeah. But um, sometimes it's like really the long way around, so it kind of sucks. For sure. I imagine so. Now that you've been here for a semester, um, 
I mean, I kind of have some picture of what a day looks like for you regarding your disability because we do live in the same room. Yeah. Um, but would you share a little bit about that for the people who don't necessarily know? So talk about like what a day looks like when you aren't injured versus when you do have an injury. Um, how does that affect your day-to-day life here at college? Right. So when I'm not injured, I mean, just generally be logical. Watch out for ice. Don't chip over anything. Um, watch out for crowds, crazy people. Um, make sure you get exercise in. Um, so that you know your bones don't get don't get super weak or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm injured, I really have to be a lot more aware. Um, try not to run into people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. So like, what's your when you're when it comes to getting ready in the morning, like your your morning routine? I imagine right. when you're injured, and I've seen this, but when you're injured, you have to get up a little bit earlier so you can have time to shower, or you have to decide do I really need to shower today, or things like that, <laughs> like. Is it, is it more to think about, more stressful once, once you've been injured? Right. So, yeah, generally when you're injured, everything takes longer. Um, of course, yeah. Get, just getting ready in the morning even um, versus, you know. But sometimes, you know, getting places is, you know, a lot faster in a wheelchair than if you're just walking. Especially um, when it goes downhill, uh-huh. you can go really fast. <laughs> yeah, but then when you're going uphill, then you have to really push oh, yeah, harder. It's yeah. a struggle. You, you, you get those arm muscles. <laughs> yeah, you definitely... Uh, I guess there's always pros and cons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially like if um, if it's not just your leg, but if it's your arm that's injured, uh-huh. then you're trying to use a wheelchair with one arm, and that's <laughs> you the just real go struggles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So with your injuries being unpredictable, really, and seemingly surprising at times, have you ever experienced frustration when you had a plane to go some, to some event or something like that, and then you couldn't because of a last minute in- injury? Right, so a lot, a lot of times when I get injured, it's less like, oh no, I got injured. It's more like, oh no, I can't do this now. I can't, uh-huh. you know, I can't go apple picking. I can't go hiking. Um, all, all the plans I had in like the near future mm-hmm. can't really do as much. Um, so it's really just a lot worse on that side of things. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it really sucks. Like last semester, I wasn't able to go with something because I just had random um pain in my leg that was really hurting Mm -hmm. you mentioned when you came to college you had to do a lot of planning you had to call the local hospitals you had to figure out fire plans and how you how you'd get out of a building if you're on the top floor got hurt and there was Mm -hmm. a fire or something like that um so just in general will you talk a little bit about the extra planning that has to go into things just for you to make sure that everywhere you go will be accessible that you'll be able to get around and all that Right, so generally if I'm injured, I'll have to look at places I'm going ahead of time. It's like, is this accessible? Can I get in? Um, especially if I'm going by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm traveling long distance, really anytime, um, I'll bring a brake kit in case I get injured because um, if I'm not close to home, it's you know going to be a lot harder. For sure. Um, yeah. And is a, your brake kit is just like... All the basic things you need if you had a, a break somewhere. Right, and... like a, a splint, cast, ace bandage, um, mm-hmm. Advil, you know, whatever I need. Yeah, just all those things. Okay. Um, so now when you have an injury, does it surprise you still? Or are you just sort of indifferent to it now? Like if you fracture or break something, are you just kind of like, oh, well, here we go again? Or what's it look like now? Right, so some... Some people ask me, you know, do you even feel pain anymore? Yes, I do still feel pain. Um, I like I am used to it. Like, uh, like I just know. Okay, once I get injured, I'll have to like. So a lot of times when I get hurt, I'll like do this sort of like thing where I'll just like feel all over my body and I'll be like, okay, what's hurt, what's not, right? 
And so, and then after I assess the damage, I make a plan based on how bad it is, you know, what I need, right? So it's really just um, easier to um, like think about what severity it is rather than um, just, uh, ow. Yeah. And when, when you break something, are you, have you gotten pretty good at like based on how it feels or based on what happened, like being able to tell, oh, that's a broken arm or, oh, yeah. that's a fractured ankle or something. Or do you still have to go to like get x-rays and figure out and all of that? Or do you kind of just, well, I got hurt again. Let me put my brace back on. Like, right. So it really depends on the situation. Sometimes, um, if it doesn't hurt that bad, I can't tell if I just bruised it or mm -hmm. if it's like a small stress fracture or whatever, but um, generally I do still have to get x-rays and stuff so mm -hmm. they can see, okay, do you need surgery? Is your bone going to mend itself? Um, all that. Mm -hmm. And once you've healed, is there some, some level of frustration knowing that um, three or four weeks of injury and tomorrow you could break something again? Right. It's So after I get hurt, it's generally like, okay, reminder, next time don't do that again and be more careful around this or whatever. But you can't always do that. Like, you can't just say, okay, be more careful next time if it completely happened out of nowhere, right? Or if um, it was somebody else that did it to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it really um, does suck, you know, having to go through it and being like, okay, uh, afterwards I'm going to be more careful and everything. But um, sometimes, you know, you just forget. But yeah. I do have this sort of um, matrix mentality where mm -hmm. I... Uh, I'm like super aware of everything around me, mm -hmm. um, all the like potential dangers. And I imagine sometimes injuries occur when you are being the most careful too. Yeah, even then, um, because sometimes, you know, you can get hurt by like trying to heal yourself. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll wear my brace too tight and then I'll be like, why is my arm hurting? So I'll make <laughs> it tighter. And then it was like, oh, well, my brace was just too tight in the first place. Oh, uh, gotcha. So with your oi do you ever face ridicule from people over it for example people questioning if you're capable of something like i know people will ask me are you sure you can cut those vegetables or how do you snowboard or something like that because of my vision they're afraid that i'm gonna cut my finger off or i'm yeah. gonna snowboard into a tree or something and like i know that they do it out of care for me but it's frustrating too because i'm like don't you think i know what i'm capable of so do you ever experience this where someone's like are you able to do that and you're just like well if i wasn't able to do it do you think i'd be trying type of thing <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes um people will ask um questions like how do you carry a backpack and i'm like mm -hmm. like you do anyone <laughs> else and then um some people overly ask if you need help which is sort of frustrating um because you're you're trying to be independent mm -hmm. you know you don't want to rely on everyone for help and then sometimes you know you really do need help and so sometimes it can be sort of hard to ask for help but um uh yeah you do get those sort of questions sometimes but a lot of the times um they'll ask valid questions yeah and you know like one side of you knows that they're just trying to be helpful mm -hmm. but the other side of you is like stop trying to be helpful right, right. exactly i i know that frustration and definitely like when you said just like you carry a backpack it kind of made me think of like when you have a disability it really teaches you how to like be a smart aleck sometimes right? yeah exactly <laughs> um i guess that's that's one way that a lot of people um, i know for me anyway and maybe for you too that's how i sort of have always coped with having a disability and stuff like that is just kind of um be humorous about it and, right and, and stuff like that right so. like you know oh i'm just trying to get by don't mind me you know mm -hmm.
We hope you have enjoyed today's episode so far. We will return to it shortly. If you like what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Please leave us a review on Anchor or any of our social media pages. If you are interested in being a part of the Disability Perspectives podcast, including as a member of our team or as a guest on the show, please fill out the Google Form link in our About section or on any of our social media pages. It will also be linked in the description for this episode. You can also email us at disability.perspectives at gmail.com if you have any questions or would like to share with us. Lastly, if you like the podcast and want to ensure that it continues, we would be appreciative of, of financial support. We are not trying to profit from this work, but we are college students, so our goal is only to offset the price of production. If you are interested in partnering with us in that way, please feel free to reach out to us. Now let's return to today's episode. So how has your disability affected your ability to get a job or to be employed? So do you have to explain to a potential employer that you might randomly not be able to come to work? Right. So my first ever job was at Target, and I was actually pretty lucky because that was the first job I applied for. And so sometimes, well, so first of all, I didn't even tell them about it. Um, I was just like, okay, if I need to, I'll tell them. If I don't, I won't. And um, a lot of people don't know you don't actually have to tell them especially you don't have to tell them what it is, what it um, does or whatever. Yeah. But um, so at Target, I would have to sometimes climb ladders and get really heavy things from like the 11th shelf or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I better not fall, you know. Um, and so sometimes I would just um, push myself really hard, like especially with um, really long shifts, like eight hour mm-hmm. shifts, like my legs would start hurting halfway through and mm-hmm. I would be pretty screwed because I still have four hours left, right? Yeah. And so um, I would just like have to work a lot slower, and then you know sometimes they'd yell at me, which you know, to be fair, they don't know. Yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, you don't when when you're applying for a job, it can be sometimes better not to tell them um, in case they do discriminate, even though it's not mm-hmm. legally allowed, you know. Mm-hmm. But other times it's like. Okay, know what you're applying for. Like, don't go into the logging business. Like, if yeah. you're in a wheelchair, right? Like, you know, be reasonable. Use common Yeah. And I bet on those nights that when you when you were four hours into a shift and your legs started hurting, you had to push four more hours. I bet those nights you probably slept like a baby, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I bet those nights you were exhausted. Yeah, it was uh, pretty hard. And I was doing that during uh, junior year of high school. So that was um, also the hardest year of school, pretty much. Yeah. So it was... Uh, in addition to your coursework, yeah. having to do that too. So in disability studies, we talk about passing, which is where essentially you're hiding your disability to some extent. And so you said that, like you mentioned when you're working at Target, you didn't initially tell them about your disability. And so while you aren't injured, that might be easier to do, but I imagine it's more difficult when you have to have a wheelchair or walker to get around. Mm-hmm. So were there times when you were at work and like you were supposed to work that weekend and you injured yourself during the week and you had to call and be like, uh, I can't come in this weekend. Well, I, luckily when I was working at Target, I didn't have any of those times where mm-hmm. I got injured or anything, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's really just telling people on a need to know basis, right? For um, sure. It really just depends on the person, on who you want to tell, who you really trust. Mm-hmm. Some people, um, you don't tell them right away because you don't want them to judge you or whatever, so then you'll tell them later, but it's like the longer you wait, the more it's going to be like, why didn't you tell me? You know? Yeah, 
So it's like kind of pick and choose like when's the good time to tell someone. Yeah, and so that that's sort of hard to do. Yeah, I bet that's a lot to balance. Because I know for me, like when I meet somebody and I become friends with somebody, especially when I came to college and mm-hmm. was meeting all new people, right? Um, I was it was kind of a balancing act of do I really need to tell you? Are you going to find out on your own soon enough? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of gotten to the point, like when I meet with professors every semester and I give them my accommodation letter, mm-hmm. I always tell them, I'm like, so I don't necessarily have to tell you what my disability is, but in my specific case, it's easier for me and you both if I just tell you. So right. like, this is what it is. But I imagine for you, it's like, is it worth going through the whole spiel about it and what I can do and what I can't? Um, right. for it, like you said, it's kind of a need to know basis. Do they really need to know? Will they find out eventually? Um, if they find out, are they going to be upset that I didn't tell them? Yeah. Like it's a balancing act for sure. Right. And, um, there are definitely situations where it's better to tell them like it, your teacher, you know, it's better for accommodation wise, but, mm-hmm. um, if you're just telling a friend, you know, it, you know, you might not always tell them. Mm-hmm. You mentioned working at Target and how you didn't tell them, but, um and how like you didn't know if they it'd be something to discriminate about if you told them mm-hmm. um and how legally they're not supposed to discriminate but you know you never know yeah um have you ever faced discrimination directly related to your disability um whether it's explicitly or implicitly um can you share a little bit about that right so like i said i think i mentioned this earlier where um you have substitute teachers right mm-hmm. and um you have an accommodation they may not always be the most forthcoming to accommodate you right um mm-hmm. And so I haven't necessarily faced a lot, not that I know of at least, because sometimes it's, you know, really hard to tell. It's like, do you just not like me or Mm -hmm. is it because of this, right? Yeah. Um, And then sometimes it's like when you're with your friends, right, and they'll uh, make a joke about your disability, you're like, haha, that's, you know, good one. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll like just keep going with it and then you're like, okay, you know, it's at a point where like, you know, stop being funny, dude. Yeah. (laughs) No, I've experienced that too because, like, I'm the first one to make vision jokes mm-hmm. because I, I think sometimes they're clever and funny, but, like, there's always, I've always been able to draw a line and see the difference between the people who were laughing with me and the people who were laughing at me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there'd be times where people would just be so obnoxious about their jokes. I was like, all right, dude, you're not funny anymore. Like, that ship is sailed. Yeah, get out of here. And, and then people also on the other side of that, people will ask me, they're like, like, how do you make vision jokes? Like, you're the one that's legally blind. And I'm like, listen, if other people can make jokes, <laughs> I can make jokes. Like, yeah. it's that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so generally, and we, we mentioned this about the campus here at Virginia Tech specifically, but um, society in general, do you think society is set up to be accessible for people with you like that have physical disabilities like yours? Or how could society or, or the campus here or anything be improved, um, in your opinion? Right, so campus is like I said, fairly good. Um, sometimes it can be pretty hilly, but mm-hmm. in general, places are not always the most accommodating, even with the um, ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, right? Mm-hmm. They have to meet certain guidelines. Like some one time I went to a movie theater, right? And mm-hmm. they had a ramp going up to the door. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then they don't have an accessible button for the door. How am I supposed to open this? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. It's like when people like halfway try to fix it, but then don't do everything they should. Right, like you know, you're you're meeting the bare minimum, but you're really not doing the best you can. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and I know that like the ADA is is compared comparatively like it's a it's a fairly new thing, mm-hmm. um, and so like a lot of places are probably so like a lot of places that were for example built before ADA like they have right. to change things, and so. Um, I've like definitely always been kind of understanding of that, but also at the same time, I don't have a physical disability where 
it makes it harder. So I understand for you, you're just like, come on, you guys can do better than this too. Right, like um, sometimes, you know, the bathroom door will be so tight, you literally can't even get in there. Mm -hmm. um, like, even if you're not, like, that skinny. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, exactly. It's it's not always the best, um, even with the ADA. So it's like a constant battle. And um, it's actually fine because around, like, what, 15, 20% of people in the world have disabilities right mm -hmm. um it's actually the largest minority in the world okay so um it's pretty funny because you know as people get older you're more likely to have some sort of disability and if you've been discriminating against people you're like oh why are people discriminating against me well you know you should really take a look at um that yeah can we cut that yeah <laughs> okay okay so um just going on to like talking about the 15 to 20% of people being disabled. One thing that we talk about in disability studies is how like you can never have something that's completely accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. So like something that's accessible for me could be inaccessible for you. Mm -hmm. um, an example of that is like, you know, when you're going across a sidewalk and they have the bumps on the corner right. for legally blind people or blind people to know when the sidewalk's ending and when you're walking into the street. Mm -hmm. But then if you're in a wheelchair and you go over those bumps, it's bumpy. And so that's, an, that's just one example. Yeah. But I imagine that like, um, kind of speaking to your point that like not necessarily every accommodation is going to be beneficial for everybody and something that helps you could ultimately be hurting somebody else too. So it's sort of another one of those wicked problems I was talking right. about. Right, and like bumps on the sidewalk. I know people have like been in wheelchairs, they've tipped and broken something um, because mm -hmm. of that. Because um, of those bumps. Yeah, one of my friends actually got brain injury due to that. Um, oh, wow. She's in the hospital right now. It's, yeah. So it, it's really, it can be really bad for some people. Some people, it doesn't affect them, but um, it's just best to take in mind that these, these uh, choices might not always be the best. Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, another thing that I was thinking of as far as like accessibility here on campus, that mm -hmm. you, when you mentioned the movie theater and how they had a ramp up to the door, but no um, automatic open button, yeah. that reminds me of if you, I don't know if you've been to Williams Hall, but on campus here, there's a building that has, um, it has a, a wheelchair button, so mm -hmm. you can open the door um, automatically, right. but steps lead up to that door, <laughs> and there's no ramp that leads up to that door. Uh -huh. So it's just kind of like, what's the point in having this button here? Great that you have the button, and great that it opens automatically, but right. if there's steps leading up to it, then what good is that doing, right? Yeah, exactly. So when you think about your future and your goals and dreams, do you find yourself having to think really hard about how your disability could affect that? Or do you have more of an, I can do anything I put my mind to mindset? Um, so sometimes, you know, you got to think, you know, you know, what your dreams are versus realistically. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's for pretty much everyone, right? Um, there are the things you want to do and then the things that you think you can do, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so a lot of the times you can really bridge that gap if you work hard enough, but mm -hmm. some things just feasible mm -hmm. so um it's like when i was a kid you know i wanted to be a famous soccer player or whatever and i'm like you know that's probably not going to be possible yeah. but um i can you know maybe do something else like that you know yeah maybe you can be a, a sports reporter or something gonna be around soccer or something like that right um and it kind of speaks to what you mentioned a few minutes ago just using common sense like for someone like you, don't apply to a job like logging where you're not going to be able to do it in a wheelchair. It's just kind of like use common sense. Like, right. I really would like to do this one day, but ultimately I know that there's just no possible way, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think of um, where you found inspiration throughout your life, um, is there anybody who's famous or even not famous, just somebody that you know pretty well that you found particularly inspiring in your journey with um, OI? 
Right, so a lot of people I know um, with my disability are religious, right? They mm -hmm. find strength in God or um, what, what, whatever. And so for me, it's really just been like, okay, you know, I know I can do this. I'm capable. And um, so as far as famous people go, well, there are actually a few that have what I have. Um, Kid President, for example, we're uh, sort of good friends. And uh, so you, Kid he, President, you're friends with Kid President. Mm -hmm. So anyways, he so he has OI too, and um, he has not let that stop him from many things. It's really just inspirational sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know that Kid President had OI until you just mentioned that. That's right. that's pretty wild. But it just goes to show that like your yeah. circumstances don't define you. Like right. he's obviously made something pretty neat out of himself. He's inspired a lot of people and a lot of people don't even know that he has OI. Right. So and, and a lot of that's like, you know, you don't always know someone as well as you think you do, right? Mm -hmm. Um you could, you know, people don't always um, they're, they're not always what they seem, right? Don't we have them guys cover? Exactly. Okay, so what do you know about your disability now that you wish you'd known before when you were first diagnosed or just long before now? What's one of the biggest things you've learned that you wish you'd known a long time ago? Right, so people say better safe than sorry, but like that, that's not always true, right? A lot mm -hmm. of times, um, you know, the risk is just worth it. There's a mm -hmm. quote from Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Um, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety, right? So it's usually just better to take a risk than constantly live in fear or like, mm -hmm. um, oh my god, I can't do this, what, what's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes just, just go for it, but obviously, you know, don't be stupid. Don't, common sense, yeah. Yeah, don't do something that you know is going to injure you, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of the times, just take the risk. It's, it's, it's better off. It. Um, you know, life's short, you know, have fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, what one thing would you tell someone who has just received an osteogenesis imperfecta diagnosis? What advice would you give to them? Right, so, like I said, um, it's not always better to safe than sorry, you know, um, but do just be careful in general. Um, probably get an IEP that's uh, very useful. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and this is just for like any sort of disability or pretty much anything actually. Just like learn as much as you can and don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's really, it's it's not um, your fault if other people won't accommodate you. If you don't tell them, they can't know, right? Exactly. So you have to tell someone, I need help or I can do this. Um, so really just advocate for yourself. Don't be afraid to speak out against mm -hmm. um injustice or anything you see. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to add about your disability that we haven't talked about? Um, I guess not everyone that's like in a wheelchair or injured or using some assistive device or um, just like appears to be disabled, they're not always permanently disabled, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are just injured for the time being, right? Like they can, they can walk normally, right? They just mm -hmm. have a broken leg or whatever. Um, so yeah, just don't judge people by appearance very much, you know? Mm -hmm. Don't judge a book by its cover, like you said. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, thank you for being a part of the podcast, and thank you for helping yeah. to, um, you know, reach out and, and make the mission of the podcast come to be. So Thanks um, for having me. Yeah.
All right, we're back with the second segment of rapid fire questions. So Nick, the way this is a, this will work is I'll ask you 10 questions that you haven't seen before gotcha. and you will answer them as fast as you can. No thought put in them, okay? Okay. So the point is for us to get to know you a little bit, but also just to have fun with it, okay? So ready? Yeah. Set. Favorite meal? Uh, pizza. Orange or maroon? Orange. What is something you have with you everywhere you go? My phone. How many kids do you want to have? Uh, none. If you could vacation anywhere in the world, all expenses paid, where would you go? Canada. Favorite class you've ever taken in college? Um, philosophy. What's your favorite even number? Seven. Wait, that's <laughs> not even. <laughs> Shoot, uh, two. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. What is your favorite song? Uh, <laughs> Robbery by Juice World. If you could relive one experience, what would it be? Uh... <laughs> Shoot. I don't know, going to uh, a concert? Nice, okay, you you got a solid B plus. Okay, (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Disability Perspectives Podcast. Please share us with your friends and across your social media accounts so that we can all work together to normalize the conversation. Again, you can find the Disability Perspectives Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes will be released every other Wednesday. Thank you again to Scotty Larson and Paulina Sobel for all of their hard work behind the scenes that make this podcast possible. Until next time, we hope you will continue seeking to learn more and to expand your perspective. Until next time.